0: Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always airing first on WPVMLP, Asheville 103.7. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song, WalterParks.com. And thank you, Devine Dial, for managing WPVM-FM. If you would like to reach out to me, nave at jamesnave.com. Today I'm going solo without a guest, and I'd like to talk about an idea that's been rolling around in my head, and the idea is this the manageable memoir. So, what's the difference in a manageable memoir and a regular memoir? The manageable memoir is shorter, it's less complicated. And it's a way of addressing your personal stories without feeling like you're going to be bogged down with a 400-page manuscript. It's a beginning exploration into how to develop your memoir storytelling chops without getting too bundled up or worried about whether you're going to be able to tell everything you need to tell. And if you're a writer, you've probably written some of your stories down, created poems about it, or written essays, or even written a book, maybe even written a long memoir. If you're less inclined in writing, you have most likely told your stories with your friends sitting around a dinner table or or after work when everybody gathers round to ease out from a long day at the office. Either way, whether you write it down or you tell it to your friends, you're still unfolding your stories, and those stories are worth telling. So what's this about the manageable memoir? Where did that come from, you might be wondering? Well, about a month ago, my publisher, Andrea Watson at Three of Press, sent me my new book, 100 Days, poems about my healing journey after cancer. Now, these poems in this 100 Days book represent the 100-day time period I spent after I had prostate surgery and woke up from the surgery on April 1st. Now, I've talked about this book before on air in this show, and if you have been listening, you know that what I did was write the first poem on April 1st. I continued for 30 days. April is poetry month. A lot of poets do 30 poems in 30 days. And I posted all of the poems on Facebook, and afterwards I continued on. I thought, why not write 100? And if I don't miss a day and write 100 poems in 100 days, I'll have a slice of life, a report, if you will, from the the field, the field of healing over the 100-day period. So that's what I did. Now, when I was generating this material, it never occurred to me I was writing a memoir. I always thought a memoir was a, a book that was similar to a novel. The main character in the memoir is the person who's writing the memoir, like you or like me. In in fiction, it's a fictitious character, something that you've made up, a character that you've made up, but both fit together and read exactly the same in terms of the narrative arc. A good example of a memoir that does that is Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Barrett. When I read that book i thought it was a novel i knew it was a memoir but it read so much like a novel i couldn't believe all of those things that happened in the book actually happened to somebody but hey they did so that's that's the way a memoir traditionally works and in the hands of someone who really knows story arc story engineering knows how to create plot create characters that are not wooden but characters that are dynamic And when I say create characters, what I really mean is develop characters based on the experiences one has in real life. And yet, for most people, the idea of sitting down and trying to construct a memoir, to write a memoir, sounds good, and many, many people want to do it. And when you get started digging into those longer stories of your life, it's a little bit more challenging to do it than you might think right out of the gate. Just like anything else, writing is very complicated and it can also be very simple. And that's why I'm on this idea of the manageable memoir. And the reason I call it the manageable memoir is because when I generated those 100 little pieces in 100 days, I wasn't thinking about a memoir. I was thinking about a simple report from the field. Something on the page that happened to me within that 24-hour period that would get a sense or give the reader a sense of what, what my day was like in that one frame. Now, it never occurred to me that whatever I wrote, when I put all of the pieces together, would actually create its own natural narrative. I just thought each day was a one off day, I would put it all together and I would have something. Well, that's exactly what I did twelve years ago. I posted it all on Facebook, put it all together, put it in a little book that I created for myself, DIY, self publishing, and called it Looking at Light, put it up on Amazon, and it stayed there for quite a while. Even when I was putting it together, all those pieces, it never occurred to me it was a memoir. Or maybe i didn't think i had enough creative authority just to simply declare it a memoir so that was 12 years ago and i really didn't give it much thought after that until andrea watson asked me about four years ago if i had anything that i could submit to her press because she thought i would make a good candidate for her galley of writers and three a House press is the name of her press and I told her that I had this memoir that I had published on Amazon, self-published. And she said she'd like to see it, showed it to her. She said, I would like to publish it. And then we began the editing process. Now, I probably could have done the editing process in two months or three if I really just focused on it every day. Instead, I stretched it out throughout the pandemic and worked on it uh, regularly, but not all the time. And I didn't focus on it all the time. And as I was working through it, I decided to add questions to each piece. So I had the poem and then I had the question that followed the poem and the question was tied to the poem. Well, even during all that time, I was not really thinking it was a memoir. And yet while I was editing it, I started to notice how the pieces fit together in ways I hadn't seen before. So that's when I first started to consider the idea of a memoir being something other than the memoir I just mentioned, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. So if you're thinking of telling your story and you've been thinking about writing a memoir, I encourage you to think about the idea that when you write down your story, you don't have to tell some grand epic that starts at birth and carries you all the way up to right now. You can do little things. A memoir could be reflections on what happened to you during a 24 hour period or a weekend trip you took a couple of months ago, or a vacation that you remember from years gone by, or something more tense, some conflict situation you encountered that you really had to deal with that delivered some heavy weight that maybe you're still carrying to this day. Now, a lot of memoirs do deal with the heavier stuff in life. That's what makes them interesting. And when you deal with the the weighty issues that have befallen you or that you have encountered. Maybe they didn't befall you. Maybe you just encountered them and dealt with them and moved on. However you look at it, when you deal with those issues in writing, it can be a bit challenging because you have to get in there and be radically honest with yourself. You have to ask the provocative questions. So sure, you could write a really light memoir uh, about a great time you had during an evening or at a concert or over the weekend just past or a weekend long ago even so when you start to dive into this idea of telling your story all that other stuff will bubble up too Now, the reason i'm bringing this up now talking about it from the manageable memoir point of view if you have limited experience in trying to get down into that radical honest truth that exists there in the swamp of your psychology you may find it to be a bit overwhelming if you think you have to take these discoveries and write something really long about it if however from the manageable memoir point of view if you approach these questions that you have in your mind whatever they are and you write shorter bits about the questions you will discover great insight will emerge from the shorter pieces. I'm not saying that you will have more insight than if you wrote 500 pages on whatever the issue it is that you're dealing with, but I will tell you that the little one-pager will allow you to experience understanding and depth around whatever the question happens to be, allow you to do that in a way that will maybe disrupt you a little bit perhaps, but there will be an ease about it. It won't be such a long, long journey. It can be a little shorter. And one of the reasons I think this is important to remember, even if what you write is short, you'll soon discover the subtext of what you've written has a lot of depth and a lot of meaning and a lot of mystery. It's natural. It's almost impossible to have a life without meaning and mystery underneath the surface of the life. If you'd like to get a sense of this in action, next time you're with a group of children or just one child, ask the child to spell dog. Of course, most children can spell dog. That's one of the first words they learn, D-O-G. And then you ask the same child, describe the dog. Oh, dog has a tail, has ears, has teeth, a mouth, it barks. If you shift your inquiry from the generic dog question to the child and ask the same child, do you have a dog? What's its name? Can you describe it? You will get a lot of depth and you will get a lot of insight and you will get a lot of magic and you will most certainly get a smile unless maybe the child just lost the dog. The dog just died of old age. Then you will get another kind of story. There's your memoir right there. The child is telling a slice of life that's really attached and really personal. And we're working with simplicity. Tell me the story of your dog. What's its name? How did you get it? How long have you had it? Do you have other dogs as well? So you can see how that little memoir prompt about one's dog can go a long ways. I've been on a lot of Zoom calls in the last three years And one of the things I love about the Zoom calls, they're pretty casual because everybody's in their living room or in their kitchen or wherever they relax. And often on a Zoom call, one little cat walks across the the screen and then a a dog pops up. And sometimes somebody will have a little gerbil or a ferret or some kind of odd animal. And, And it's really great. I've never had anybody offer a plant as a pet, but I'm waiting for that. The point is once you commit yourself to personalizing your story with things that you know deeply about, regardless of how long or short it is, it will still emerge as a little piece or a long piece that has a lot of pop and that people will want to to have an experience with, maybe by reading it or listening to you read it. Why will people want to engage your work? Well, it's representing the essence of who you are, short or long. From the point of view of the Manageable Memoir, it's best to start short and build out from there. It may be that these little short pieces that you write over the next few days or months or whenever you choose to write them could develop into something more than that point is it's an easy place to start and if you keep it short you won't feel the stress that you might feel if you try to write three or four hundred pages about your life eventually you might write a long three or four hundred page book about your life and maybe you already have so either way the manageable memoir certainly does allow you to fit some writing time into your life in Ways that will keep your momentum going without devoting a vast amount of time to maintaining that momentum. So here's a little exercise you can do to get your manageable memoir experience started. Sit down at your desk or your kitchen table and look around at the objects on your desk and make a list of the objects on your desk. I'm looking at my smartphone. I'm looking at a Tilly hat. I'm looking at my poems, 100 days. I'm looking at a Trader Joe's crunchy almond butter plastic jar, almost all the almond butter's gone. I have a little red beret on the desk. And I have a water bottle that I really, really like, but I dropped it and the plastic on the top broke. So now the seal doesn't close. So I have to be very careful not to spill the water. So look at the desk around you, just like I described the objects that are on my desk, and make a list. And then after you make that list, choose one of those objects to tell a little story about. Like for example, the Tilly hat I have on my desk. I bought that Tilly hat years ago in a hiking store near Union Square Park after the same very day, I lost another Tilly hat or I left it behind in the bookstore and couldn't find it. There's a whole story there. Or what about my water bottle with the broken plastic? How did that happen? Was I careless? Do I have an entire life story around carelessness, not paying attention, water bottle falls, it no longer seals, things get wet. So everything you have on your desk, has a story, some reason why it's there. And if you tell a simple story about any of the objects surrounding you, you will find that will become part of your manageable memoir. Couldn't be easier. Everything has a story. So once you make your list, circle one, and write for 10 minutes about whatever the object is that you circled. You'll be surprised at what will pop out. Now another example I'll take from my book, 100 Days. My father built the house that I grew up in, and this was in the 1950s, and it was on Brevard Road in Asheville, North Carolina. You may be listening to this show in Asheville right now my father worked for the power company. He was a, a hard-working fellow. He brought the war home with him. So that means World War Two. a part of it came home with him. And so he was punitive with his sons. My brother David and I got a sense of my father's frustrations more than once. So in my book, One Hundred Days, my father makes a few appearances. Not many, but I'll give you an example of two pieces I wrote, very short pieces, both have my father in them, and now that you know a little of the backstory around what it was like growing up in the country around Asheville in the 50s, you'll have a better insight into what's happening in these two poems. So I'll, I'll give you both of them and follow each one with a question. So this is day 21 of the 100 days. This poem's titled My Father's Bees. Once in Oracle, Arizona, A beekeeper told me that during the flowering season a forager bee works itself to death in five weeks. When I was young, my father kept bees. He started his beekeeping hobby when a swarm wrapped around an apple tree. He shook his new bees into a bucket and dropped them into a hive. Two summers and five hives later, when I was fourteen, I'd often watch his bees launch from the hives out across the fields working themselves to death, searching for the sweet nectar inside the flowers blooming on the hills. Here's your question. What have you sacrificed to get what you wanted? Was it worth it? Now, moving forward to poem number 34, The Indefinite Universe. This morning, Paul Lafolle, a visionary artist, declared, The indefinite universe has no end. Rain woke me last night. My belly hurt. I lay awake watching a galaxy of sticky stars glow on the ceiling. My thoughts drifted to my father's funeral. At his burial site, I scattered dirt over his coffin. After the benediction, my brother David told me that when the paramedics hurried my father to the ambulance, his last words were, I'm okay. I haven't visited his grave since that April afternoon in 1996. Perhaps it's time. And here's your question. What visits must you make? So now you have a sample of two small, small, manageable memoir pieces. Some information about bees, how long they live when they work hard, a little bit about what my father enjoyed, and then in the second poem a question to ponder. Does the indefinite universe have an end? And on a more personal note I tell you what happened between my brother and me as we stood above my father's coffin in the Pisgah View Cemetery on the Smoky Park Highway west of Asheville. And the reason it's called the Pisgah View Cemetery, you guessed it, there's a view of Mount Pisgah from the cemetery. And when I was a little boy, my father would point Mount Pisgah out to me, and he would say, look, there's Mount Pisgah, and you see the antenna on top, that's the WLOS TV antenna, and the mountain beside it is the rat, and the rat's crawling up Mount Pisgah, Pisgah and the rat, and to this day, when you're crossing the Smoky Park Highway, going west toward West Asheville, and maybe take a right, and you go to Earth Fair to get some food, if you look to the west you will see Pisgah and the Rat. So my father is in the Pisgah View Cemetery, and he told me about Pisgah and the Rat, and to this day I still view that mountain and think of the time when he told me that. Manageable memoir you probably have two stories about your mother or your father, two little vignettes, two little bits that you could write about that would have the same depth and impact as the two bits I read to you about my father. So that's why thinking about the stories we tell from a more manageable point of view actually gives us a lot of freedom. Now imagine this. If you wrote a little manageable piece every day for 365 days, you would have quite a bit. Now, my manageable memoir, The Hundred Days, it has 17,000 words in it, and that's 100 days, so you could do the math on that. If you did 100 days, you would have about 17,000 words, and if you did another 100, you would have another 17,000, and so on and so forth. So when you work with the idea of the short-form, manageable memoir, you will actually, over a period of time, generate a great deal of material that will make a book, just like my Hundred Days. I have a hundred poems in there, it's 140 pages with all the, the other stuff that goes along with it, and there you go, there's a book. It's very easy to do. So one thing to keep in mind if you decide to take this shorter, manageable memoir approach, a lot of writers I know who are terrific writers, they generate wonderful pieces, they have a little self-doubt. If you have a bit of self-doubt, you might say something like, I feel like everything I write is throwaway writing. Implied in that, of course, it's not worth keeping. Now, I will say that a lot of what we all write we eventually throw away. It's worth writing. It's probably also worth throwing away, not because it's worthless, because it did its job. Something came out and whatever you wrote that you finally decide to throw away is really just a field sign for all the other stuff you wrote that you didn't throw away. So the throwaway urge, the urge to discount Maybe there, and maybe it comes from your internal critic. Maybe it comes from something somebody said a long time ago. I certainly have it, I have certainly experienced, I have certainly thrown away a lot of material. That said, when you work with this manageable memoir idea, okay, so you write something that's not that long, it only takes 10 minutes to write, and you decide you don't want to keep it and you throw it away. Well, you can go back and do it again and again. What you will find in every piece of material that you generate, whether you tell it orally or you write it down or you dictate it on your phone or on your computer, what you will find, you will find pathways in that material that will lead you to other stories. You will find connections, like for example, the connection I just made with the you know, with the Mount Pisgah view from my father's grave and my father showing me Mount Pisgah and Pisgah and the rat. I probably knew that, but I didn't know I knew it. And so as I was unpacking the story, suddenly that came out. I was able to share it with you. It's a brand new insight. Right now, happening in this moment, that insight did not exist for me before I told it to you just a few minutes ago. So from a manageable memoir, simple point of view, Those little insights have great value when you start to piece together your stories over a long period of time. And those little insights make for great little poems, little short stories. And who knows, enough of them, you build it out into a bigger and bigger story. I mean, it's our lives, after all. It's your life, it's mine. So to close, I'd like to balance my offering. I'll give you uh, poem number 47, Hitching West, And it's about my mother, so you'll get some insights around her, so I have the contrast between my mother and my father. Here we are, a little bit more of the memoir. This is titled, Hitching West. Around 7 a.m., my mother and I sipped our Maxwell House instant coffee while we talked of that June day in 1970 when I first hitchhiked west on I-40. I reminisced about the long haul trucks downshifting for the Canton grade, giving me hope I'd catch a ride far past a few exits down, where I could have been working the graveyard shift at Champion Paper. I said, "You know the thumb is a powerful symbol in the American psyche, but it's the eye that catches the ride." She sipped her coffee and said, "If all time is eternal, then the collective consciousness contains all things, past." present and future, including your thumb. And here's the question that follows that poem. When was the first time you took a trip you still talk about today? Where did you go? Even though that's a simple question, when was the first time you took a trip you still talk about today and where did you go? Probably you've taken more than one trip you still talk about today and you have many destinations you can tell us about. So here we are, finishing up these ideas about the Manageable Memoir. What stories do you have to tell and how will you tell them? And on that note, hey, thanks for listening to Twice Five Miles Radio. I really appreciate it. We always air first on WPVMLP, Asheville 103.7, stream online, WPVMFM.org. Thanks, Walter Parks, for our theme song. If you would like to reach out to me, nave at jamesnave.com. Nave spelled N A V E. Keep in mind, we're sponsored by the Imaginative Storm Writing Project. If you would like to learn more about how to get your writing, Under sails, out in the harbor, out into the sea, go wherever you want to go with it, imaginativestorm.com, good place to look. So, thanks ever so much again for listening, I do appreciate it, and I'll catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line.